0: tail end of my playing career I, I did arena football as well and I always signed up for Prospect I was that Groupon guy like unlimited uh workouts in a month and just eventually just started to fall in love with it started to see results and became addicted and I, I found another way to stay competitive
1: This is the Strategy of Fitness podcast. Our goal is to energize and entertain fitness enthusiasts by sharing insights from experts in the health and wellness community, from physical therapy perspectives to interviews with professional athletes, special operators, nutritionists, and coaches. We want to help you be your best self. Welcome to the Strategy of Fitness.
2: strategy of fitness. It has a nice ring to it, doesn't it? Check out the link in our Instagram bio. Get $30 off your first month subscription. Get the brand new 4.0 and start this year off right. Track your sleep, track your recovery, track your daily strain. There's no better tech to wear every single day and hold you accountable. Of course, this podcast is your weekly accountability buddy, but there's nothing better on the market than whoop. Check it out welcome to the strategy of fitness podcast my name is nick cressy joined weekly by dan gorn and rob roland rob how you feeling man
3: dude I'm, I'm going through it right now i got the sweats going on sitting over here i'm hot too you, look, you see my
1: you see my face how rosy i am
3: you're looking you're glistening a little bit
1: oh, like sweaty nick who doesn't believe in air conditioning how, how are we looking uh, good <laughs> yeah, we got the fans on we got the
2: fans on definitely no air conditioning. You gotta earn it. You gotta earn the air conditioning at the Cressy Household. You know, only 70s this week, so not too bad. You guys been hitting the gym? Give me
3: something good you've been up to. Well, I don't want to take the thunder away from you. I know you got some big lifts this week. For me, I was I feel like I was just building momentum after like Achilles fiasco and then uh hamstring injury. And now I'm feeling like shit this week. I don't know what I got going on, so momentum has just been been halted so i don't have any workouts to talk about i'm just trying You're to get sick
2: but let's give an update because we didn't hear from you i don't think in a couple weeks how are the two
3: injuries to the legs are, you, are we feeling better at least yeah i've i've run some achilles feels good running the only thing that bothered me on is i did like some barbell complexes and just like the repeated like cleans and and to front squats i got a little sore after that but didn't swell up so i think that's in a good spot I can squat like probably 80% of what I was doing before I pulled my hammy feeling pretty comfortable. It's all safety bar. So my hips don't pop out that keeps me from like getting to that point where I'm risking pulling it did some deads like pulling from the floor. And I'm like maybe 60, 70% of my weight there comfortably pulling without aggravating the hammy. But as long as I don't stretch it too far, it feels pretty good. I'm not trying to sprint uphill anytime soon. So I felt like I was getting to a pretty good spot before, I got whatever my my son
1: gave me. So
2: all right. Those kids, they just they're the host, the traveling sickness, man. It's brutal. Dan, how you feeling?
1: Good man. like I said, some of a couple of days last week got blown up by said sickness. Uh awful GI bug. Just it took us down like a sniper, just one at a time. Just picked us off. But I'll tell you, workout wise, I've been really leaning into a, a Dave Lipson hack, the landmine hack squat and um loading that up for 10 by 10 at one and a half reps so one and a half rep as you go all the way down half rep come up all the way down and then back up with a 60 second rest between so the landmine hack squat is kind of my uh, my go-to squat variation that i'm working on right now and it's a weird one and i, I shared the home setup on the uh, on social media but it's it's a it's a really easy one if you have a barbell at home and it's just a, a different squat variety. It's super easy to get really really low. It's a very easy to add tempo and and put a lot of time under tension, which is why I think Lipson likes it so much. And it's a it's a cool variation if you guys want to give that a try. Are you getting into
2: more running recently? What, what's going on there?
1: Yeah yeah, I've been running you know three four days a week. Um, most runs are somewhere in the seven thirty to. 8.30 pace, depending on how far I'm going, and then I'm hitting the track workouts every weekend. So get a little faster. There's a, there's a half marathon coming up I might do, but we'll, we'll kind of see how things look in a, in a week here to see how far I'm going to commit to uh, maybe a half or a full marathon. What shoes are you wearing when you're doing this? For the hack squad or for the running? Running. The Reebok float rides. I've, yeah. Uh, yeah, our boy Sean told me to give them a try, and they're, they're pretty nice. They remind me of the Nike Pegasus, just like a good standard neutral cushion shoe. And uh, you can't argue with the Reebok, uh, you know, they always have the fucking crazy discounts. So yeah, I've heard of those. You had some big lifts, Nick. Talk about uh, the 280-pound snatch. Shared yeah. that with everyone. That was a big yeah. boy. Big boy lift.
2: Yeah, big boy lifts. It was good, man. A classic example, of just feeling good on a Sunday, I think it was. You know me, when the body weight's a little heavy do a shitty diet and drinking too much, uh, which I think happened last weekend, had a few beers, uh, the UFC card masters, of course. So was just feeling good. And like I said, I kinda, well, my back's not hurting me. I kind of feel like I can do anything. It's just 60% of the time my back or my hips are bothering me, <laughs> but this weekend, last couple of weeks, I actually haven't really, since I introduced the safety squat bar, the back pain is pretty much gone, which is the fucking greatest thing of all time. So, I'm in general, just in general, in a better mood. I know, Rob, you and I have talked about it ad nauseum at this point, but I cannot suggest it enough to anyone who's having difficulty with back and hip pain. Go invest $300 on that Titan bar. I'm getting stronger. In my legs, my lifts are going up. And the pain has greatly decreased. But yeah, long story short, hit 280 on my snatch. It's a lifetime PR. If you would have asked me when I hit 275 a year and a half ago, if I would ever have hit an ounce more, I would have said no. Just a fucking amazing feeling. It's like when you hit a PR in a movement that technical mixed with that much strength, I guess. It's hard to even comprehend. I mean, I remember my first snatch at 135 pounds had no range of motion, had never felt what a snatch was and fast forward six, seven years and 280 pounds. I'm, I'm thrilled. Uh, and then, yeah, today, you know, I'm, I got the quarters coming up for the masters next weekend. So just messing around in the gym right now, doing some odd movements. One of the things today was I, w- I wanted to lift at the end of a workout. A lot of times what I'm doing is I'm going in there. I'm doing a squat, a deadlift and then an Olympic movement and then I get into a wad. Today I wanted to kind of fatigue myself, so I did 45 minutes of, of fatigue work, and then I wanted to build up to a heavy uh, hang squat, clean and, and jerk in a 15 minute window because I noticed that in the open or any of these quarters events, they're always on timelines. So I gave myself 15 minutes and I hit 320 on the on the hang squat clean and jerk. Felt fucking clean. Felt easy. Felt good. Got this elbow thing going on here. It's really bothering me, but it doesn't necessarily bother me in my lifts. It's bothering me the rest of the day,
3: which is really frustrating. Now, have you checked the rules for quarters to see if it's legal to wear Tommy Copper during competition? Because that might've been the extra five pounds in your snatch.
1: (laughs) That That might be the difference, honestly. That might be that extra five, you're right. It's not copper
2: strength. It was a $19 thing off of Amazon. But if you've watched that video, that thing may have saved me. Who knows? It's not the sturdiest <laughs> son of a bitch, but there was some elbow bend there, saving my head from being caved in by myself.
1: I, I was glad it was elbow bend and not an elbow valgus situation, so it was uh, yeah. far far less far less dangerous. I think that it looked. You know, I don't know how it felt, but. That feels fine. Yeah, feels fine. I was going to say, yeah, that looked good. How's the girth on your legs? Like, are you getting, since you've been hammering them with the safety bar squat, you know, like, how's the girth looking?
2: I don't measure them, and I can't tell the difference. Like, I'm starting to wear shorts again. Shorts fit the same way. Um, I, Um, You know, I think I've lamented pretty long legs, pretty skinny legs. I don't think they're going to change much. My body weight is about the same as it's been. So... I think I got what I got. They're just a little stronger, man, feeling just a little stronger. my front squat. You know, I'm hitting 345 doubles at front squats. Like, that's a lot for me. Like, not too long ago, that was a a PR, you know, probably a couple years. But, you know, I've never been a guy that's front squatting 375, 380, and I feel like I'm on my way there. And, again, it's really because I'm using all of my legs now because what I was doing with those back squats were just a glorified good morning, just fucking killing myself to get to depth. Dan, tee up our guests. We'll bullshit on the back end. I thought it was a great conversation.
1: Yeah, we had on Rashad Barksdale, who is a fascinating dude. He was a sixth round pick of the Philadelphia Eagles, and played a little bit in the NFL for a couple different teams. So he kind of got a little bit about his NFL background. Now he's transitioned to CrossFit and actually is managing um, some of his own athletes and CrossFitters, and has a cool new business called Mind Over Matter. So hope you guys enjoy the interview with Rashad.
2: Welcome to the Strategy of Fitness podcast. Rashad Barksdale, what's going on, man?
0: Not too much, man. I appreciate you guys having me.
2: Yeah, we're excited to talk to you. Now, you got a cool background. We'll get into it. We always start kind of the same place, set the scene. Where are you out of, and what would you hit in the gym today?
0: So, I am out of Pendleton, Indiana, which is close to Indianapolis, Indiana. And you say, what did I do in the gym today? Yeah. I did some squatting. I did a set of 10, 8, 6, 4, a heavy double, or 5 for my heavy double, and then I did a brutal workout, which took like 30 plus minutes. So it was not expected. It was every minute on it to eat uh, to 100 calories, but seven chest of bar and then straight to the cows. And once you finish the cows, split it up however you want it. It was 70 wall balls at 11-inch target, 45 handstand push-ups, 30 sandbag cleans, and... It was about a thousand feet sandbag carry. Yeah, it was brutal. <laughs> it was brutal. What machine were you using for your calories? A rower. So just going from rowing to Testa Bar was the hardest part of the workout. I'm not that efficient on Chester Bar. I would like to be. So I was getting back to the rower with hardly any time. So it's just like, I'm gonna be here all day. Yeah,
2: that's an aggressive buy-in before the workout really even starts, you
0: know? Yeah, it was rough. So after that, it was the workout was pretty much just break it up however you want it. And that was the easy part. Awesome. Well, okay.
2: Well, we'll get into kind of your training and your methodology and what you're into now, but I think you might be the first ex professional football player we've ever spoken to. So give us a little background, man. Yeah. Um, I obviously did a little research, came out of Albany. I think you were were you the first professional player drafted out of Albany?
0: Well, first to play, first to be named to a roster, etc. cetera. Yeah, so I, a little bit about myself, going back to high school, I was always into sports, played baseball and football and basketball in high school. I had more fun playing baseball. I almost got drafted out of high school for baseball. So I stuck with the baseball route going into college. Went to community college for two years. They said I was kind of raw, so I still needed some fine-tuning. So didn't get drafted that year, went to University at Albany, actually had to have a conversation with the dean of the school, like an interview in order to get in, because my grades are like kind of like right there. So got in, had a pretty decent junior year, senior year, you know, started off rough and then got kind of hot for some apparent reason. You know, coaches like to change up things. And if you play sports, especially baseball, it's. You're on a routine, and once someone changes something up, it's more mental than anything. So, had a, a pretty off senior season. Didn't get drafted, and I did a couple of independent baseball tryouts. And they're like, oh, "We like you, but we don't have enough room." I'm like, "This is this is getting old. This is getting old." And I was working on the campus at Albany at the time. Kind of started falling out of love with baseball was going out you know during the summer and i had a maintenance job and i wasn't showing up to work or i'll be late and then like one day i showed up to work and they like you're fired i'm like dang so didn't tell my parents just kept staying on school on campus just kind of like surviving at the time and i just kept driving by the football field and i saw them practicing and i was like man like i want to do football Football isn't a better sport, like I did in high school. And I actually had a teammate on my baseball team who really challenged me. He was like, man, you can't play football. You're no good. One day I went home, came back to school, popped in the VHS tape, you know, back in the, those days. He's like, all right, you could play a little bit. And I said, I, I guarantee you if I try out, I can make the team. Tried out. I was a running back and a safety in high school, but running back was my, like my number one spot. And I asked the coach if I could play running back. They had two seniors and a junior at the time. And I will put you at defensive back. I started fourth on a depth chart at the right corner. And ever since then, I worked my way up. Something to find out during media day, the coach actually stated, and he thought that I was just going to be a special teams guy because I haven't played football in so long, about four or five years. Started every game of the year. When it really started clicking is when – we played at Delaware, and at the time they had a quarterback named Joe Flacco, and I had two teammates getting scouted. But at the time, and then I picked Joe Flacco off twice that game, and ever since then, people started coming in, and I started meeting with. I think I met with all 32 teams, ended up getting drafted after just one year of college football, and I got drafted in the sixth round by the Philadelphia Eagles. It was kind of like I said; my intentions were not even a to get drafted, it was just to be a part of the team. Because I know if I went to school as a, a regular student, I would have been in trouble. I already partied enough as a you know student athlete. I couldn't imagine taking the athlete part out of it and just being school and partying. It would have been trouble. That's a little little uh, background story.
1: Yeah, that's awesome. I, and you transitioned over to CrossFit and become a, a really solid CrossFitter. I think you were telling me you own three different gyms. I guess the question is. Why don't we see, and I kind of know the answer, but I'm surprised we don't see more ex-NFL players, ex-D1 college football players that transition to CrossFit. I mean, the easy answer is, well, a lot of them are real fucking big, you know. (laughs) Um, uh, But, I mean, the running back type. And I know that there was a cool story on Noshaw Moreno. Noshaw Moreno was a a really solid running back with the uh, Broncos, and I think he had gotten into CrossFit. So I guess for for you, uh, running back size, guys, it does kind of make some sense. You know, I started
0: CrossFit when I was – kind of tail end of my playing career I, was, I did arena football as well and i always signed up for prospect i was that groupon guy like unlimited uh workouts in a month and then once it ended i stopped because i saw how much it cost i did that for maybe about three years like every so often i kept doing the same Groupon, and i just eventually just stopped i just stopped i was just kind of working out, got tired of that. And the gym that I'm currently at now is um, CrossFit Pendleton. His wife coached with my wife volleyball. They were always trying to get me to come. I'm like, ah, I'm not, I'm not really into it. You know, CrossFitters are kind of like different and weird. I, I mean, I, and think I went and just eventually just started to fall in love with it. Started to see results and it became addicted and i found another way to stay competitive and that's kind of where i've been doing crossfit consistently for about i would say about four or five years since then you know and still learning which is crazy and that's that's probably honestly one of the hardest things being a professional athlete and i tell people you can't judge book by cover at all especially in this sport because you can have their average joe you look at him and he can kill a workout you're know, like, dude, I was I've played in a professional football league and I can't, I'm getting smoked by this dude that, you know, is wearing sketchers. It's a it's a humbling sport. It definitely, you know, swallow you and spit you out and humble you really quick. I'll figure that out for sure.
3: I was gonna say you, you got in the crossfit towards the end of your career. Are you uh regretful at all? Do you think there would have been any carryover to your playing career if you discovered it a little bit earlier, or do you think it's too contradictory to the
0: training you did when you were playing football? You know what? I was the guy that didn't like working out. You know, that team or that one person always walking around, just socializing in the weight room? That was me. Like, I would try to superset everything really quick and get out. I hated working out. I think it was mainly because I played defensive back, so I was a bigger DB. The NFL, they give you a weight. Like, this is the weight that we want you at, and this is where you have to be. You get weighed in every Friday. If you're over that weight, you get fine X amount of dollars. I think at one point it was like $1,000 a pound. So I was really just, I was 200 pounds. That was my playing weight. And it was really just, I did all carding because I knew my body and I didn't really work out. I don't think it was really the physical attribute of things. It was just catching on to the game. You know, still kind of being raw after just one year of football and trying to catch up. And it's just like anything. It's especially NFL. It's you got to learn on the go, and if you don't learn on the go, you're you're cut. I wish I would obviously, you know, you know, kind of got a little bit more into crossfit. It could have helped, maybe yourself, but who knows? Everything happens for a reason.
2: Yeah, it's funny. I mean, we're talking a 37 year old Rashad. Sounds I was not nearly as good at you at anything physically uh, (laughs) from a sports background. But I I think back to 22, 23 year old Nick. And you take a lot for granted when you're young oh. and it's kind of easy and you, you don't have any perspective for what the hell's coming behind you. Like life gets really hard. Eventually, it ain't when you're young. Right. Yeah. And I think a lot of people just like, you know, it sounds like you were absolutely raw and a freak. I mean, to go from being on the baseball team to trying out for a, a D1 football team and then being drafted, it's kind of unheard of. And it sounds like you weren't the most psychotic competitive guy in the gym, in the room, in the NFL. But give me a glimpse behind like OTAs and kind of the culture of the locker room and what you saw there. Because that's probably a pretty unique perspective.
0: Anything with football, like OTAs, mini camps, training camp. It's funny how everything starts. Like everything starts off, everyone's like in a cafeteria. Everyone's laughing. Everyone's buddies, and then like as it gradually co- increases, like days go by, the here becomes silent. You know, people are tired. They understand they're in competitive mode. OTAs, it's not everyone attends. It's kind of you got some mandatory you know, workouts, and you have some that you could just you know anyone can kind of really show up. But it's you know you're working out. You're out in the field for maybe two and a half hours film work and your your day is honestly over around 12 or one like and then you just got so much free time you're in there probably about seven o'clock or so but the locker rooms vary i've been in locker rooms where everyone's like you know offense defense type thing like you know or receivers dbs running backs linebackers where we're kind of friends but you're not really friends and so those are teams that you see that struggle and then you have locker rooms that are everyone is one and everyone knows what everyone's fighting for. Although you're fighting for a roster spot, but we also know at the long, at the end of the day, we're also fighting for the Super Bowl. Is that a coach or is that a veteran group of players? I've always wondered that. Yeah, 100% a coach. And I'll tell you, people always ask me, "What was the best coach you played for? Worst team? Best team we ever played for?" And New York Giants, by far, best organization I played for. Uh, so we had Tom Coughlin was there and. He treated everybody the same. Everybody was the same. Uh, Eli got treated the same way the last guy on the roster got treated. Cafeteria people were re- respected. Everybody the same. Uh, equipment people, everyone was bought in. And then when you when you have a coach that gets everybody to buy in, everyone gets along t- together so well. When, For example, I said Chiefs gave me the opportunity to be the first UAlbany player to play in the NFL, but I still have some good friends that I speak to on that team now, but just the... You know, Herm Edwards, the way he ran things. Great guy. Absolutely great guy. I love his message and how he looks at life, but just how he coached. I mean, we were 4-12. and 12. People got treated differently. I remember one preseason game we drove from Wisconsin I believe, to Chicago. And same day of the game. And, you know, certain people got hotel rooms and everybody else was hanging out in the lobby to the game, which is cra- unheard of. When it comes to professional football. So yeah, to your question. Yeah, it's a it's a coach thing for sure.
1: I love that answer. I want to get into Coughlin because Tom Coughlin had this reputation as just this like hard ass Old school, stuck in his ways, but then certain guys like Michael Strahan, I think, talk about like certain guys fucking loved him. So, yeah. where, what do you think that reputation comes from? And obviously, your experience was super positive, but 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 what do you think is the uh, the clash there with some some of the players at Coughlin? There was obviously some some reports in those Giants teams, and again, it wasn't often, but every once in a while, there'd be somebody come through yeah. that was like this guy's too much and can't. Yeah, see I know. think
0: when it comes to Professional sports, we have to think. Of, you got to think about it. everybody is a grown man. You know, everyone is not like you're. You're coaching college kids, high school kids. You're you're coaching an an adult, a grown ass man who has a family to provide for. And some coaches and nowadays are younger than the players. But for Coughlin, I, I never experienced that. I've heard of it through like media. But when we were there, I didn't see any issues or anything. Mainly, I think everyone respected him, and some people obviously were afraid to let him down, so they, they played harder. That's how I was, at least, like, hey, I don't want Coach Coughlin getting on my ass. Like, I got to make sure I come every single day, because he'll call you out in front of everybody, and that's the last thing you want, is to be called out. And the funny thing about it, though, is I'm actually a diehard Dallas Cowboy fan. Love the Cowboys. And going to the Giants was kind of like, oh, damn. Like, <laughs> I don't
1: know. <laughs> I was talking with somebody the other day. The NFC East, the rivalries, like, they're so great. Like, they, all those teams, it's just a blood feud. They just all hate each other. It's it, it just, yeah. it's what I mean. They all kind of suck now, but, but I mean, yeah. they all just hate each other, which makes for good football.
0: Hey, being on the inside, it's crazier, especially when it comes to Giants and Cowboys. Like, yeah. It, and here I am, like I'm still a Cowboys fan. I'm like low key, like ah man, like we're playing the Cowboys this this week. Um, <laughs> I didn't get I didn't get to play against them, but still, it's like yes, I'm happy we won. But I'm like the fan side of me it, is like, damn, we just we just beat the Cowboys. When that's my that's my squad.
1: One of the most <laughs> legendary stories is a kid, me and Nick grew up with John Fight. Okay, John Fight to paint the pictures about six four, bright red afro. Cowboys fan goes to an Eagles game at the, I think it was the Link. And yeah. he's a he's a Cowboys fan, rocks the TO jersey oh, after man. he had left the Eagles for, for, the, <laughs> for the Cowboys and goes to the Eagles game. And I got all sorts of shit, but legendary stuff there for the NFC East. You
0: can't mess with those Eagles fans, man. They're savages, savages.
4: If you know me, you know I'm always on the run, up early and home late. So having a three hour morning routine isn't really in the cards for me. What is in the cards is AG1. It's a fast way to get vitamins and minerals I need to perform. I first gave AG1 a try because I wanted a single solution that helps support my entire body by filling in nutrient gaps and simplifying my morning routine. Since drinking AG1 daily, I've always felt strong and energized and ready to attack the day. Not only does AG1 deliver my daily dose of vitamins, minerals, pre- and probiotics, And more, it's a powerful, healthy habit that's also powerfully simple. It's one scoop, mixed in water, once a day and every day. I know that AG1 is giving my body high quality nutrition. Every batch of AG1 goes through a rigorous testing process so you know that it's safe. And AG1 ingredients are sourced for absorption, potency, and nutrition density. AG1 is a supplement that I trust to provide the support my body needs daily. And that's why I'm excited to welcome them as a new partner. Here is your chance to start every day this season with a gift to yourself. Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3K2 and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase exclusively at drinkag1.com slash grit. That's drinkag1.com slash grit. Check it out. Brutal. I remember they booed me. Our rookie year, I was ready to quit.
0: I was literally <laughs> ready to quit. I hit the rookie wall pretty damn bad. Um, yeah, they were blowing the shit out of me. It was, it was, yeah. That sucks. Give us a glimpse inside Arena Football League. Rena, you know, Arena was a lot more fun than I anticipated. Uh, I went into Arena Football with the ego of, I'm a NFL player. I don't belong here. I'm just coming in really quick and getting some film and leaving and that it was a big adjustment talk about a fast-paced game arena that's it and i believe that has some good athletes they may have some better athletes in my opinion than they do in the nfl defensive back position i learned i became a better player because primarily i was a press technique guy being a bigger dv i hated playing off and obviously you had to play off when you went to arena football but Messing with the fans, the fans are right there on you. Uh, you get to an, a, a good arena, for example, Tampa, when I played for the Tampa Bay Storm, I mean we were averaging, you know, almost 14,000, 15,000 fans a night on a game. And that's that's a pretty good sized crowd. An arena, it's loud. It's just, you know, still able to travel and and just have fun. And just have fun. And nice like, to so the just the biggest adjustment was not only the speed, but learning about that damn field turf. Like I can't tell you how many turf burns I got. Like I'm talking like white, like elbows white, knees white, um, getting in the shower after the game, it was, it was painful.
1: Yeah, there's uh the, where I work right now, they were affiliated with the um the Philadelphia Soul. And now it's closed down. Obviously. I think that the, the yeah. league folded, right? Yeah, but, because uh,
0: the people are getting paid more than they they were yeah. paying. There was some, there were some dudes that refused to get picked up by the nfl because they were playing arena football from like february to july and they're making over six figures i mean why go play in the nfl and potentially get cut let you know more work and when i got something that's kind of set in stone and stable i'm getting six figures from february (laughs) through july now obviously you got to be smart with your money afterwards but
1: yeah. And you got, you know, it's pretty, uh, I was just kind of impressed with the level of professionalism, you know, with, with some of the aspects of arena football, kind of like you're saying, it's, it's a better, you know, was a, a better and more organized and, and kind of just better league than a lot of people think it and give it yeah. credit
3: for. Rashad, talk to us a little bit about the transition outside of football, like how you found your way into CrossFit and kind
0: of how that, that filled that, that gap for you getting out of, uh, getting yeah. out of football. That was a big transition, a big transition. And that's where a lot of guys struggle, and I, I was one. I was one to struggle. I, I stopped playing NFL 2010, and then arena. I think 2013. Like I officially retired at 13, and had regrets. Went back 14. Kind of put like a a Brett like retired after the season, and then went back and began the season. But the, it was a big transition. Just from you got to think about doing something every since you were eight years old to all of a sudden sitting in a cubicle and sit, looking at a computer all day try to feel relevant still type of thing i think that's where guys kind of struggle uh, they don't accept it they don't accept that hey i'm done I- i'm not going back you know but they still think they're going back so just just being an everyday person which is, you know is weird to say like an everyday person because that's not what you really feel like when you're playing a professional sport you know you you feel like you're some guys feel like maybe they're higher than others so my biggest adjustment really was kind of like the interaction part i tend to be like a quiet like keep myself person you know and people were always asking me you know i got the question you know once they found out i played football why didn't you tell me you played football i'm like because i'm not going around and saying hey i played football you know because that's all they want to do but how was it and At least for me, it kind of set me back a little bit. Like, I'm trying to move forward. But now here you are trying to, like, bring memories back into my life. So I did some coaching just to try to stay involved in the game. I also worked a desk job for State Farm. And, I mean, I'm 37 years old now, and I'm maybe three, four years ago where I'm just kind of like, all right, it's it's not coming back. I'm okay with it. I don't miss the physicality part of it. I go to football games every once in a while. I try to stay away from them because I have a hard time listening to, like, the average fan who thinks they know the game, uh, and they think it's so easy. And, yeah, so the adjustment was tough, but I'm finally kind of phasing out. of. Like, said, so that was eight years. It took me probably about eight years, like, realistically, to um, kind of phase out of that transition.
2: I, I transitioned out of the military and it, the, I can kind of feel similar. I, I took it a little easier. I had six years and I knew I was always doing six. I have buddies, especially in, you know, in the army when they were like medically retired or, you know, they they didn't really get to choose out of it. Yeah. And it it's the same thing, like that fulfillment and that identity were like, you probably identified as a professional football player. That was you, yeah. right? It was before yeah. it was like, it was your, it was like your last name. And then getting that kind of stripped from you, shit hurts, man. And then yeah. having to re-identify, and it's <laughs> scary and it's vulnerable. Yeah. So I mean, it's good that you've you've made the transition and you've pivoted. I feel like it's probably something that a lot of people aren't going to be able to yeah. understand.
0: And you know, and you know what, you said a good, it's a good point. Like I transitioned out of that work related field, I identified as a football player, and I still struggle with that when it comes to CrossFit. Like I was telling you. You think a professional football player should be average Joe. And I've gotten, I've started to really get better at that as well. Like now I'm transitioning like, hey, you know what? I'm not I'm not gonna win every workout. I'm not gonna win every quad out of competition. I'm not gonna be as strong as all the time. For Derek, damn sure I'm gonna be the fastest during sprint though, I'll tell you that. <laughs> um if I lose a sprint, I'm I'm gonna be, it's pretty, a pissed. It's a be pretty pissed. Um <laughs> But no, I remember like after my first open, like barely even having any type of training, I was still in that competitive, in that competitive mode. Like I did so bad. I think after the first workout, like I didn't know it was toes to bar and rowing back and forth, back and forth. Um, I was gonna scale the workout because I didn't really have toes to bar, didn't have any grips, and my guy with Jim was like, "Oh yeah, you can do it." End up doing it, did terrible after the workout when I lost to like like I said, just blow Joe. and mean, the other guys, I drove to McDonald's and ate my freaking sorrows. Like I had like double cheeseburger, you know, ice cream and cookies. I'm like, like, what the hell am I doing? Like, how am I losing to these people? So that's, that was another transition. As you stated, um, I know who's better than me. I know who's not better than me, but I kind of just go with the flow now, honestly.
2: Yeah, but see, the thing with, like, alpha males is you're only as alpha as the room that you're in, and it's so humbling because I'll never forget Biggest meathead I've ever been is when I got into CrossFit. I was benching and squatting a shitload, and I tell these guys all the time, I knew nothing about CrossFit. I saw Dan Bailey and I thought it was the kicker for the Cowboys. I was like, oh, he's doing both. I didn't even respect that this is what professional athletes were doing. And I went out and did heavy DT for my first workout. 205. Oh, I'm like, oh, I can throw around, I can I can clean and blah, blah, blah. It took me 26 minutes. I was dying. And yeah. it was like, oh, there's levels to all of this shit. And those people, like the best of the best, and probably the best guys in your gym. They had decades of work at this stuff. So, yeah. again, there's a lot of all this shit.
0: I want to say it was about two months ago I went to a TBO training, uh, James Townsend training camp in Iowa. And I decided to go on early one morning, and I did a workout with Quan. It was five rounds, a thousand-meter run on the assault runner, and I think it was 50 double-unders. He beat me by, like, two laps. He smashed me. I'm like, what? the fuck like this is crazy like and then ever since then i honestly like probably about a month ago like i just got my air runner and i've been running that thing like doing intervals like yes he's a games athlete he lapped me twice so i kind of like took that as like what i always found out with prospect is you you're never where you feel like you're at like you may think you're good but you're nowhere near where you really want to be and the visualization
2: of it, you nailed it. It pisses me off where I'm like, I look at someone and they kind of look like a wet paper <laughs> bag and then they'll just beat the dog shit out of me and we're yeah. facing
0: burpees. And I'm like,
2: what the fuck? Like, you don't even <laughs> have abs, bro. Like, what, what is happening?
0: <laughs> it's a tough sport. By far, I think personally, more mentally challenging than the NFL. I've told people that this is this sport is not for the week literally like you get exposed day in day out
1: yeah man super humbling and um what nick was saying i'm probably the guy in the gym that, that probably beats people and i was like i got beat by this motherfucker like, <laughs> God, damn. Uh, I'm, I'm probably on that side of the scale <laughs> but i want to talk to you about uh some of your athletes and what you got going on with mind over matter i see the shirt there so uh if you want to yeah give yourself a little uh a little plug what's going on
0: it kind of goes back to my football days when i played football i started my own uh, nonprofit organization called it's okay to dream where i would host celebrity basketball events at my hometown and we would raise money to go towards the scholarship foundation called it's okay to dream for kids going into uh, college from my hometown from my high school and i did primarily all of the planning like you know contacting sponsors you know arranging travel hotels and stuff like that so a lot of networking cold calling things like that so it's actually after this open i was like damn like i had the worst open i've ever had this year and i was sick pretty much all three weeks um i had the flu tuesday took wednesday off and i think i did the deadlift burpee workout like the next day, and it was brutal. I got worse. So I was like, damn, once again, I'm like, I'm not where I thought I would be. Like, this is my fourth, fifth year doing CrossFit, and this is my worst year. And I know I'm not the best at CrossFit. I want to remain uh, relevant in the game somehow, some way. Like, stay in the game. So that's where I kind of like, man, I want to help some athletes who are just scratching the surface, you know, not too many people know about them. I want to help them get their names out there. Uh, because, you know, like I said, it's networking, and that's what I enjoy to do. So I started uh, Mind Over Matter uh, Management, managing CrossFit athletes. Uh, currently, I have three athletes uh, that I'm working with. First one is Haley Hunter. She actually just qualified for um, semi. She's going to Atlas Games. Jalen Franklin, Team Shoe Fly. They actually just finished 15th, like the semi. So wait and see next week where they, they get an invite, their team. And then Malonzo uh, Hayes, he's working with James Townsend, and he's still kind of scratching the surface. Malonzo and Jalen actually just officially, they were named to the Army Warrior Fit Team as well. So first year, it's been pretty good. Um, you know, I've been doing a lot of networking, contacting people and building relationships, and I uh, just really having fun with it. And just enjoying meeting new people, getting you know, business name out there, athletes aim out there. So yeah, that's kind of where I'm at with that right now.
2: That's awesome. It sounds like it's just starting. So we'll definitely have to follow that journey. And that's the beautiful thing about this whole CrossFit or really the fitness community it really has become a community like everyone yeah. wants to help each other. And at the end of the day, it's all about living your best life, being healthy. And hopefully, like I mean, you're kind of in a servant leadership role when you're doing this stuff, which is really cool.
0: Yeah, I, I re- I've noticed like CrossFit is is so big, but everybody knows everyone. It's so like I said, it's a small community um, where I've reached out to people. Oh, yeah, we know such and such or whatever. Um, Cooper Marsh, he's um a mentor, and he's kind of been helping me and assisting me with just little things to do, you know, when I reach out to companies, you know, how to follow up, etc. cetera. Uh, he's working with Daniel Brandon, Bethany Shadburn, underdog uh, team. He works with a couple of them out there in uh, Vegas. Well, yeah. great this,
2: is, this has been fantastic. We're going to get you out of here on three hitters that we ask everyone, and the first one is the most important. Um, what's your favorite non-alcoholic shelter?
0: My favorite non-alcoholic seltzer. That's right. God damn. I don't, I don't even know what are, what non-alcoholic
2: seltzers are out there. I mean, there's countless. There, it could be regular <laughs> club soda, it could be a flavored club soda, it could be a particular brand. If you're feeling, you know, really it's good,
0: like an energy that an energy drink doesn't no
2: accept. energy drink doesn't count, but if you like have a, an alcoholic McCoy. seltzer,
0: I'm fine with it too. Probably the hardest question I would.
2: Well, I mean, it's a pretty difficult one. Uh, you know, I, I don't think you can go wrong with the LaCroix. I'm not sure a flavor that you like. There are some people that just don't drink them, and they say that's a you stupid know, fucking question, Nick. Move on,
0: and we do. So I'll just kind of tell you kind of what I do drink, what it comes yeah, to alcoholic beverages, I guess. Um, it all depends. Um, you know, I could be a Patron and Sprite-type guy. Uh, I could be a Moscow Mule guy. Just yeah. went home for my brother's surprise 30th. I was a Hennessy and Coke guy
1: that night. <laughs> what was it? What was the college drink? What was because you say you party to bed oh, in college? What was the what was the, uh, the Rashad Frat dog uh, college Oh special? Man,
0: so it started off with 30 pack keystone light. Me and my roommate would split Keystone. Now oh, we yeah. uh, we would you know bond the Keystones and then it was a uh, Bacardi Lamont.
1: And there that yeah. was hot in the streets in you know oh four, oh five. You you couldn't go to a party without that now. shit.
0: I, I won't even drink it now because I drank so much of it. I remember there was one night our basketball team was playing Vermont and we took a bus up there and I drank that on on the way up there. My girlfriend, my wife at the time, was so embarrassed because I was I was done. Like cops <laughs> like tried to give me a breathalyzer. I mean, I stormed the court, act like I was going to cut the nets. It was, yeah, was, it was bad.
1: It would be the first net cutting in the history of Vermont basketball, I think. If you did
0: yeah.
1: that. <laughs> um, next question. Uh, you're going for a one rep max. What song are you throwing on? We're going to put it on our uh, gym hitter playlist. So what's your best uh, one rep max song?
0: Rick Ross, Stay Scheming. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a great song. I love it. It's a little slow, but it
3: gets you going. That second verse is good. All right, last one. I've been changing this question recently. So for you, Rashad, it's gonna be what's the freakiest thing you've seen in the weight room? It could be college, NFL time, arena football, or even the CrossFit gym, freakiest thing you've seen done in the weight room.
0: There's two things where i kind of I saw and I'm like, that's crazy. One going at James Townsend training camp a month and a half ago, like just actually seeing him lift in person and just cleaning three hundred plus, like power cleaning, like he looked like I would be power cleaning a 95 pounds like just lifted it up like it was absolutely nothing and the other thing i would say is here in indiana we have a competition called strength in our street where it's a 10-man team five females five males and we compete against all the gyms in indiana and one year we had to do it virtually and one of the workouts was a max something like toes to bar pull ups chest of bar Muscle ups on the bars, and the athlete that I'm actually working with now, Haley Hunter, I watched her do. I believe it was 45 and 46 muscle ups unbroken, which is crazy because I did 45 pull ups unbroken, and then she just did 45 muscle ups unbroken. It was just crazy to just kind of watch because she almost kind of failed like early on, like you know reps eight, nine, and ten, but somehow she just kept it going. That's like an alien. That's incredible.
2: Awesome. How can people check you out on uh, on social, man? Where can they find you?
0: Yeah. So my personal Instagram handle is just barks25. It's like kind of like almost my last name, B-A-R-K-S-25. Uh, and then the mind over matter is still fresh to me. So I think it's, it may be mine O or mine OV matter 22. I think I should know that, but <laughs> That's what we play. I don't do the Snapchat. I don't do what else I got. I don't do TikTok. I don't do anything like that. I barely do people still do Twitter. I mean, I have it, but I don't even mess with Twitter as much. But Facebook.
1: Just help you out. Mind O oh,
2: Matter 22. Awesome, man. Well, we appreciate the connection and we look forward to continuing these conversations and uh, we'll be in touch. Man, I love that conversation. I love the vulnerability. I love just how honest he was about the transition. That's the kind of stuff that, you know, I don't think we hear a lot of and it's great that he's turned it and now he's helping other people. So great story, great conversation. And I, I look forward to, you know, keeping in touch with Rashad and kind of tracking where mind over matter goes to transitioning now to smokes. What, what's on the Easter menu this week, Rob, anything special?
3: screenshot it to you all these got the uh the rib roast on special i picked up two so one will be going on for sure this weekend what about you
2: i don't know i saw that i have not went to the store yet i plan to go to the butcher tomorrow so i'm thinking a rib roast or or a tenderloin not positive which, but i'm excited about it are you doing all the sides and everything or you offloading some
3: of that um, I think it's going to end up being an Easter brunch, so I, I still don't know how it's going to go. This is all kind of ad hoc here. We'll we'll see, but I just I have that in prep, and I know that's going to be my job It's just the meat.
2: Well, that's the most important piece. We've we've talked about that enough. Um, Dan, what have you been up to? Anything good?
1: I just sent you guys a, the picture. I think I sent it to you earlier. This was like last week. We did like an early kind of combo Easter slash couple of people's birthdays of the brisket. So uh that was my mother-in-law's i was tasked with the brisket for the party did a 15 pound brisket and let me tell you about my night because it was a great night fucking watched cliffhanger which i don't know when's the last time you saw cliffhanger but fucking fantastic movie started the brisket out back and just kind of like slept on the couch did a little brisket tending a little cliffhanger watching sacrificed some sleep but the brisket turned out pretty good
2: yeah, it's a good-looking piece of meat. I'm looking at the picture you just sent.
1: And super soft. I actually cooked some of it at 225. It went down as far as 225. It's Juicy, baby. That's what I'm talking. Did you about. Did you upgrade your knife,
3: Dan? I see a nice, uh, nice blade in the background. I
1: got a better one. It's not the best, but it's it's definitely better. I need to get the the, the super expensive one that Nick sent me, but I got I found a better one.
3: And not good. to get too off topic, but when people send you live photos, do you just assume they don't know how to use their phone? If all they send is live photos all the time. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I don't know the difference. You said that before. What's the difference? Like, if I open up your photo, it, like, plays like a little
3: clip. I can hear people talking in the background.
1: So when I take a picture, I just go to photo and take a picture. Is there a different way to do it?
3: Yeah, up on the top of the, the camera, there's, like, that little star. If you just click it, it'll go white, and it won't be a live photo. just be a regular photo.
2: And that's why you listen to this podcast, so you can learn how to take fucking photos like a grown-up.
1: I, I literally never even knew there was a difference. I'm such a boomer.
2: <laughs> Speaking of boomers What are you streaming nowadays Dan You got anything good for us
1: I do a uh, new show on HBO Max called You guys are laughing <laughs> I don't know if anyone likes this segment I don't know if it's just a joke at this point I feel like I'm on the Truman Show at this point <laughs> like, like is everyone just laughing At me and not with me um, the Tokyo Vice on HBO Max Pretty fucking dope show It's about a dude who's an American He goes to Tokyo in the late 1990s gets a job as a newspaper reporter and kind of starts working the seedy underbelly of the Yakuza and the Japanese mob. mobs. So That's pretty cool show.
2: Let me get close to the microphone for this provocative take. I'm about to say stream of the week. I believe definitively better call Saul is better than breaking bad.
1: Uh, here's my argument. Not having seen episode was the most Epic part of Saul's life was meeting Walter White and Jesse. So I've already seen the best part of it. So sell me on Better Call Saul. It's
2: just amazing. I don't know how else to say it. it's the same writers. It's so much, the flashbacks are similar, obviously not similar in the the time because it's the past of Breaking Bad, but it's just the come up of this guy who turns into to Saul and how, and what are the, the grassroots of this guy just being an utter piece of shit and just how dirty he is. And it's all on Netflix. The sixth and final season is starting next week. So get in there. Take a look. I mean, Gus is in it. Mike is in it. Uh, the Saltamachia brothers, the cousins. Everyone is in it other than Walt and Jesse. But i just captivated. Absolutely captivated. And it was one of those things that I watched it to start. And I was such a big Breaking Bad fan. I was like, I'll give it, I'll give it a try. And I just watched this last season, and I'm like, dude, that's just good of anything I've ever watched, like, ever. And it's really nice also because you can binge it, so you don't have to deal with the week-to-week bullshit that you had to do with, with Breaking Bad, which, let's be honest, being able to watch four in a night kind of nice. makes a show a little better because you don't have to sit through commercials and bullshit like that. But if you're staying away from it because you're like, I'm a Breaking Bad purist, you'll fucking love it.
1: You know, probably a dumb stance on my part. I guess with that show and breaking bad on the rewatch i will say on the rewatch i did that a little bit ago i didn't like breaking bad nearly as much the second time and i think it's because i have kids now and when i watched it before i didn't have kids and he's such a piece of shit dad it it actually made me blood red mad the whole time i was watching it i I can't explain to you how viscerally i hated walter white the second time versus the first time where it's kind of like you're rooting for him the kid angle really fucked up the show for me. I don't know if you felt the same way or had any The of this
2: first way. time you watch that, you have empathy for him. The second time you watch it critically, me anyway, and come season three or four, he's a monster and he's he, just no like,
1: empathy. fuck this guy. The
2: first time fuck it's survival and it's like, oh my God, how's he going to keep doing this? Like he's too far into this lie. He's got to keep it going. The second time you're like, oh, you had your way out, you dickhead. You're an egotistical monster. And you're exactly right. And, and I, again, towards the end of Breaking Bad, I kind of thought like, all right, I think we're playing this out maybe a season too long. It's getting a little sloppy. That's one thing I got to give him credit for. So far, Saul's been tight. It's just tight. You'll like it. You'll like it. It's definitely worth your time. Are you guys into, first of all, did you win any money on the Masters?
1: Yeah, I had Scheffler to win. I had camp champion top 20 and I had a couple other good ones. But yeah, it was overall a positive. What about you? I didn't bet on it. I didn't oh, you don't. You, oh yeah, I forgot. You don't gamble. You don't drink, and you don't do social media. I do and drink, you and you don't curse anymore. I forgot. Oh, yeah, I I don't don't. hashtag that to me.
2: I'll get this whole fucking podcast canceled with some swear words if I need to. Um, <laughs> I'm just kidding. I will say, you know, we got the Derby coming up. You guys, you guys, gamble on any horses?
3: Not typically though. No. Never, Dan. Dan. I'm, I mean, if I'm at a horse track, yeah. But you ever been in the Kentucky Derby? Never been we might
2: do a live report from their lot from next year. I, I, I gotta go back. We took a buddy, uh, Alex King for his bachelor party. Haven't been in several years. And every time this time of year comes around, I feel like it's a it's time to ruin Mother's Day next year.
1: <laughs> Dave loved that place. He, he had a blast, which is hysterical because he could give two fucks less about horse racing.
2: No, it's it's fun. Epicenter is you know the kind of the horse I'm tracking right now. We're a few we a few weeks out, so you do your own research. Epicenter was nine to one when I got on him. I'm gonna tell you right now, there's murmurs. He's gonna come out as the favorite of four to one.
1: Let me so, ask you this: I think last year, well, you wouldn't fucking know this, but I don't think you could do it on DraftKings. I don't think no, you, you
2: can do it on DraftKings. What,
1: what's the deal? What's co- what, Like this? Is, I, I thought, this, I, I, I thought this was America.
2: They don't have affiliations with these with these horse tracks. You got to go to like a real place, Welcome. or do an offshore book. So yeah. it sucks, Dick, but you know it is what it is. You guys have <laughs> any good hitters or any books of the week? I know we haven't run any books. It feels like we're trying to get dumber.
1: We couldn't be any dumber if we tried in terms of books. But I do have a hitter. Rock is dead, and you killed it by Aberdeen. Cool song.
3: I got one coming from Arrow Hair Twins Deep Cover '98 by Big Pun and Fat Joe. Fuck yeah, let's go. Yeah, you
2: start doing too much, a big of big pun at Fat Joe. You're either lifted on heavyweight or you're getting hard. One two. Um, that, that's a lot of these. That's a lot of these, honestly. I do have a book that I'm 90% through. It. I've liked it so far. It's pretty light. It's called The Starfish and the Spider. It's all about decentralized command and how some organizations were founded. Basically, with no leader, think Wikipedia, think Craigslist think alcohol anonymous and how that works for some companies and how it doesn't for others interviewing a guy a couple days ago and he suggested it and i've really liked it so almost listens like a podcast five hours might make you a little less dumb after listening to this droning bullshit and then for a hitter i'm gonna do don't be so hard by the audition Uh, i don't think we put the audition on here yet it's about that time, boys, where it's, you know, it's it's open garage door weather and, you know, you, you get some some 2006 punk on it. Hits just right. So give it a listen. Let me know what you think. Um, as usual, <laughs> to end this thing, it's been a fucking blast getting back in the saddle with you sons of bitches. And we will be back next week with another Atta boys. Atta.